Well, hello, and thank you all for joining me on another episode of the Professional Pricing Society podcast. My name is Terrence, and hey, we got a good one in store for you all today. But before we introduce our guest, I would like to remind all of our listeners that we are actually going to be in Dallas, Texas very, very soon. The 34th Annual Spring Pricing and Workshop Conference will be held there during the first week of May, which will be May 2nd through the 5th. If you haven't already done so, or if you are unaware, you can learn more about that conference and register by visiting our website, PricingSociety.com. Now, our guest today is Adam Ector, partner and head of the Silicon Valley office at Simon Kuger. For 17 years, Adam's career has focused on value-based sales. He's gained 12 months of focused sales training at the Timken Company and then worked outside in industrial sales for five years. Adam joined Simon Kuger back in 2012, and his consulting activities have focused on sales excellence, value definition and communication, business model transformation, and of course, pricing. Adam, how are you doing today, sir? Terrence, I am doing great. Thank you. Been looking forward to this conversation for a while. Good, good. We're, we're very glad to have you. Glad you're here with us today. Um, I don't want to waste too much time. I want to go and just jump right into our discussion. Um, if you wouldn't mind, you know, you worked for Simon Kucher, a global con- uh, consultancy that's focused on driving measurable revenue and profit for your clients. Now, can you elaborate on what you exactly do for the company? Absolutely. So, uh, you know, I think you can't have a pricing consultancy and not know about the pricing society. So I've been uh, as a partner here, you know, I work on projects that touch on all sorts of different areas and different industries and sectors. I've uh, been here for over a decade now and been doing pricing for more than 20 years. I think um, I was mentioning that my first PPS I went to in Chicago in 2003. Yeah. So, Longtime PPS advocate. Yes. Um, and so today, you know, I've, I've had a chance to work across a lot of different mediums and industries from a pricing perspective. Most of what I find most fascinating right now is having an industrials background, but sitting in Silicon Valley. Mm-hmm. I've learned how to speak industrials. I learned how to speak software. And I can put those together and help companies that have hardware software combinations mm-hmm. and how they think through those monetization challenges. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah. Uh, we're at a point here in the company where a lot of what I do is help companies think through their monetization challenges, whether it's the price level, are we charging the right amount, or more evolved about a pricing strategy, what is my metrics, what's my model, am I charging the right way? We'll use the expression, how you charge is more important than how much. Mm-hmm. And so I uh, I have the the luxury of getting to work with different companies and see different pricing projects all day, every day, and keep my mind focused on the top line. Oh, that is awesome. Well, you sound like a very, very important man. Um, and of course, based on your background, you have a lot of experience um, in this exp- in, in expertise, really in, in pricing, in really a num- number of different fashions, but in pricing in particular. So much so, in fact, that you decided to write a book. And this book is called Beating Inflation. Now, what what made you write this book? What, kind of, what was the catalyst of starting this uh this this written piece you have yeah i think you know when you join a firm like simon kutcher which you know we have published more than 40 books thought leadership is sort of one of the roles that we have in the marketplace is we're tasked with thinking about where price is going where pricing is going next and you know how people can think about that in advance and get a leg up um so when you join you i guess you kind of think and hope one day maybe you'll have a chance to write a book so it was always in the back of my mind but mm-hmm. COVID hit and, 
you know, you had a handful of us, myself, Herman Simon, who founded the firm and a couple of others who were really interested in just monetary policy, currency, sure. financial questions. And we thought to ourselves, man, it's going to have some material effects on the amount of stuff out there, right? If, if you can't have as many people in the factory, capacity is going to go down, demand might go one way or another, what's going to happen? So the seed was planted really early in the pandemic, like mm. this could be a disruption that could lead to some inflationary effects. Mm -hmm. And then in our day job, you know, we started to see those things roll in. We lived through the, the claims of transitory issues, some of the spikes in occurrences that happened when Texas froze years ago. Some of you might remember that. That took America's plastic industry offline. Yeah. Pricing went crazy. Then lumber went nuts. And you started to see supply chains backing up. And there was this whole chatter around, man, it's all going to pass. But we were getting the phone calls. We were looking at the M1 money supply. We were thinking about supply demand balances, um, you know, way back then. And started to reach the conclusion that this could look a lot like the 70s. And Herman was around back then. Mm -hmm. I had the pleasure of also working with a couple of other great thinkers, uh, Ram Charan and others who were tasked with beating inflation in the 70s. And this group reached the conclusion that there might be something there. Uh, we held a podcast a while ago and it wound up crashing the servers because so many people dialed in. This was 2022. <laughs> yeah. And we yeah. thought, okay, it's it's real. Yeah. Uh, we started, sure. we felt a little crazy kind of sounding the alarm early in the process. But then as, as the numbers started rolling in, um, I think we had most of the content put together in the first half of 2022, right as those inflation numbers really took off. And so it turned out to be a, a timely thing to think about. Mm. Yeah, it sounds like it. Um, now, you know, when thinking about this book and its readers, you know, if you can explain to us, you know, who really should be reading Beating Inflation? You know, what type of industries or businesses are going to really benefit from from this piece, do you think? Great point. I think we put a lot of effort into thinking through not a specific, here's how a B2B person thinks about it, but try to give examples and move across all the different industries. Mm -hmm. I think that's the shorthand answer would be we wrote it to cover all the different areas of a business. And so candidly, you know, you could say that this is not a pricing exclusively book. Okay. It has a section on how the CFO should think about it, how procurement can think about this. We tried to go across the different areas of the business um, and sit in their seats and think about it. And then we also illustrate how industries experience it at a different rate. So most people now realize, man, groceries, that happened fast. Commodities, yeah. you know, when you got a three, four, five percent margin, you need to move fast. Mm. Um, then we, so that was the early movers. And that was that, that first signal we saw years ago. Then you settled into complicated industrial manufactured goods, a lot of different inputs, metal, labor, transportation, fuel, mm -hmm. but man, they couldn't, they couldn't stave off inflation. So they had to move. And now we're seeing the later stage companies, business services, software that maybe felt they were immune because they didn't have a lot of metal. They weren't burning diesel yeah as the wage inflation cycle kicks in you know they're starting to feel the pressures sure. so the book is structured to kind of speak to different um different roles inside the company and different industry segments but the reader could be anybody who has a, a business interest in making sure that they can kind of adapt to the current environment 
Mm. Um, it's not a book that says, man, take your 401k and put it into Bitcoin. It's not about personal sure. investing. <laughs> sure, <laughs> it's, it's not about, you know, there's some others out there that get into that topic. There's others that talk about, you know, you know, is inflation going to lead to the downfall of societies? Like there's much more dark clouds. Mm. We're just saying, look, inflation comes and goes, it goes up and down in its magnitude. This has always been around. Uh, we're going to, we're going to experience something. None of us as business professionals have seen before, practically speaking, uh, there was not a lot of people in the workforce today who were around in the 1970s in an active job. Mm-hmm. And so how can we tell a story? How can we show folks that, you know, here's how you could think about this and adapt. Mm. That's good. I'm glad you clarified that. You know, this is really for anybody who has the interest. Um, and apparently it's been affecting majority, if not all types of industries and, and companies, according to yourself. Um, do you, Do you have any tips for companies or leaders that are trying to survive inflation with a minimal loss? Good question. Um, I think you've got an audience in the PPS that's probably right front and center of all this. And they're being <laughs> asked that question, right? Hey, we need to get through this and we need to respond, but we can't lose a single point of margin. We can't lose a single customer. We can't lose a single revenue dollar. And I think framing that up and understanding that, you know, what does loss look like and how to think about surviving this phase is really important, you know, for your audience more than ever, because they're going to be asked to do the impossible, right? Sure. You need to get more volume, more revenue, and more profit simultaneously. Right. You have all three. A couple things that we we were able to pin down uh, using examples and real world kind of elasticities and responses. Um that idea of getting through this unscathed is probably not the right way to approach it. It's more of how can we accept that the next decade is going to be totally different from the last decade mm. and then just think about how we need to adapt. And we're going through a transition. This 2022-2023 phase is going to be transitory in how we adapt and evolve into it. Mm-hmm. And then we'll probably settle back into more of a profit expansion mode. Mm-hmm. But in the short term, we do arrive at sort of a, a couple high level ratios. One being you can recover about 50% of the inflationary effect via price increase. But if you try to do 100% forever, it's suboptimal. You know, mm. price elasticity is real. People will respond. They'll trade down. They'll substitute. They'll not, they'll, they'll choose not to purchase. And that is worse for you than maybe transacting at a slightly lower price. So it is industry specific and it's, Every company has to look at their own situation. But one message we get across is you can get about 50% of your costs and inflationary costs recovered through price, maybe another 20, 25% through um, cost efficiency and cost takeout. Mm -hmm. But in the short term, you're probably going to have to absorb 25 to 30% just to get through this. Mm -hmm. uh, And again, in the very short term. And I think that's the sort of thing that you can see in the stock market. Businesses are coming down in their valuations as they're all realizing that they have to absorb some of it. Mm-hmm. So that's a that's a big mindset shift we talk about. Yeah, which is good though. It sounds like it's necessary. Um, yeah, kind of having to bite the bullet, if you will, right? It is, and I think maybe if I give give your uh, speaking to the audience, the PPS, right, um, and knowing that you've got some people who are two years into this and some people who are two months into this, because different mm-hmm. industries move at different paces. Um, the simple talking points would be first take action, like 
when we did our survey about have you done an inflationary price adjustment um, in the first quarter of 2022, so a year ago, 30% of people still hadn't done anything. And that blew my mind because I, I'd been thinking about it for years and thought this is obvious, but a third mm -hmm. of executives had still not done an inflationary price adjustment a year ago. We just wrapped up this year's 10% um, still haven't done anything. So if you're in the camp where you're trying to get through this and hoping it'll pass, we hope that some of our argumentation will help people realize it's not going away. Mm. Um, you know, it's not the end of the world. We don't predict runaway 20% inflation or hyperinflation. Sure. But we just got our new numbers out yeah, this week, Valentine's Day, right? 6.4. So people are like, yay, we're down from nine. That's still four times higher than it's been for the last decade, right? <laughs> right. So like it's relatively down, but you know it's not back to two or one and a half. Mm. And so you got to take some action. Um, we think that that's sort of the first thing. And we talk about some of the things you can do. The very tactical people. Um, so if you're just starting to take some actions, obviously there's price adjustments, but then you get into the world of surcharges and fees. Mm, yeah. uh, some industries forgot about those. Those are a great deployment tool uh, right at the beginning. You can usually get around contracts that might restrict you from making a price change, but they don't necessarily speak to surcharges. Um, people can point to it and say, oh, I get it. You know, a, few, you know, a year ago, gas gas prices are up. We understand a, a fuel surcharge. There's a lot more evolved versions of that mm -hmm. uh, in different industries. You can charge for availability, for capacity, things of that nature. But those came roaring back again first with those commodity goods, then with industrial manufacturers, now professional services firms are figuring out how to do this. So those are some tactical things pricers can do. The other real tactical thing was just T's and C's, um, digging into your contract, realizing you can do things that you haven't been able to do for 15 years. Mm. You know, anyone at the PPS knows the last 12 years of a kind of a record growth environment, the sellers were arguably at disadvantages and the buyers are at an advantage that pendulum has come swinging back the other way really quickly. And so if you've already done pricing moves and you've already done some surcharges, the other place to look early is in your T's and C's. Switch that stuff in your favor. Um, give yourself more flexibility and adaptability there. And that's some stuff that anyone in the PPS who's on a frontline pricing job uh, sure. and you're in one of those lagging industries, you're probably yeah. thinking about that now. Yeah. Uh, if you're on this podcast and you're in one of those leading industries, you're like, hey man, I did that two years ago. What else you got for me? Uh, so now for that audience, it's really more about um, pricing power and getting into that topic. Yep. Yep. I was actually just going there because in your book, you mentioned this term pricing power. You know, if you don't mind, elaborate on what that is exactly for those who may not be aware and why why it's so important to have pricing power in, you know, in your organization. Yeah, so I think the academic definition is the ability of a firm to charge the prices it desires uh, for its goods and services. And then the candid advantage or the candid words that you'll hear us use. And if you've been to some PPS events, you may have seen in some of our keynotes, you know, Warren Buffett said about a decade ago, if you can raise prices 10% without worrying and losing sleep, you've got a great business. If you have to have a prayer session before changing prices 1%, you've got a lousy business. Mm -hmm. So that's another way to just look at pricing power. It's one of those sort of nebulous things, but you know, a company generally knows, hey, man, we got to go out there. Um, we're the leader. We got to move. It's going to be uncomfortable. Customers aren't going to like it, but we're going to get it done. Mm -hmm. A company who has that mindset, and about 
30% in our surveys respond that way. And then the companies where it's like, oh my gosh, we can't do that. We can't ask for anything. Everything's going to be, we're, we're going to go over a cliff tomorrow and everyone's going to run away. Mm-hmm. Um, that's an indicator of a company that doesn't believe they have pricing power. Mm. And I think that sort of gets to the, the core of where we are right now is if we believe the next decade is materially different from the last decade in in the books. And um, I actually get to join you all in te- Texas in May uh, where I'll be giving kind of the keynote flavor of this. And you'll see a lot of numbers and statistics about if you had a dollar in your pocket at the end of at the start of 2010, 10 years later, it inflated to a dollar 17. If you had a dollar in your pocket at the start of 2020, in the first three years of this decade, it's already inflated to a dollar 13. So it's up 68% of the inflation in just yeah. 30% of the time. Yeah. And if we keep going, and I assume a 5% rate, which is lower than where we are right now, um, that dollar is going to go up to a dollar 63 by the end of this decade. And the important numbers are the 63 versus the 17. So we're on track for about four times the inflationary effect. Mm. And that's where pricing power becomes super important that a lot of companies really don't understand what their position is. I think many of them learned in these last two years, man, we went out and did that price increase. We never thought was going to never thought possible and it's stuck. Mm. Right. So if one of the listeners is in that camp, you have more pricing power than you give yourself credit for. And I would argue the vast majority of businesses have more power than they understand and or comfortable flexing. Mm. And so I think that's what the game is going to be here in the next decade of the 2020s is systematically figuring out how to um, understand your current position. But the only way to do that is get comfortable talking to your market, collecting information, and forming an opinion on where you are. Mm-hmm. And then once you believe, and it's never accurate, right? It's kind of like uh, elasticity is, is a concept, not a point. Um, sure, sure. You know, where you are in a market, it's more of a range, not a engineered solution. Mm-hmm. But companies got to get good at saying, this is where we are. Once they can take a stand on where they are, they can understand what their options are in the short term for exploiting pricing power. Mm-hmm. And then they can start asking the big question, which is what I think 2020s are all going to be about, is how do I build and sustain pricing power over time? Good. I can go deeper into any of this stuff if, it's, if, if it feels like it's going the right direction for you, but that sets up the basics of uh, maybe what pricing power is, the balance some people have versus perception, mm-hmm. and um, how they can be thinking about it. And your audience, the PPS, thinking about 2023 and the years ahead and the name of the game, I think, is really going to be pricing power. Pricing power. A very notable gem from Mr. Adam himself. Now, you also alluded to it uh, previously, but, you know, what should business leaders do to further protect their businesses against some of the different effects of inflation? You you kind of teased it before, but I'm not sure if you have um, any other actionable steps. Yeah. The hallmark there or the the tagline there is going to be about agility. And so from a pricing perspective, you guys are living in this day to day, uh, your audience, right? Um, So long gone are the days of once a year price adjustments. You know, what used to be once a year is now once a quarter. It used to be once a quarter is once a month. I bet you've got people on your audience who their experience in 2022 is 
We used to do once a year. I just did six price adjustments last year. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. And that's not going away. So what we're seeing right now is a lot of people trying to systematize that agility. So instead of, and I think your audience would appreciate, and we are broadly of the opinion that sort of investment in the pricing function might've atrophied in the 2010s. You know, money was free. You want to grow a business? Let's take out some debt and grow volume. Mm -hmm. And the idea of profitability and profitable growth and price defense might've been secondary to just pure volumetric expansion in a low borrowing environment. Mm -hmm. 2020, 2020s are going to be all about paying attention to margin. I think pricing as a job and as a function is going to get a lot more attention this decade than last, which is great, great for your, uh, your membership and your audience. Mm -hmm. And what they're trying to do is, is systematize that agility. And so we're seeing people calling up saying, how do I build the backend systems that let me do pricing refresh faster? How do I build out the teams and the people that, you know, make sure I can do this in a thoughtful way, not just uh, overwhelm the two people in the, in the room that have to reprice the sheets globally yeah, all sure. the time by themselves. Yeah. And then practically for your audience, I think if you're setting prices or you're steering deals and negotiations, on the client interaction face, it's contracting right now. Um, can you get out of five-year deals for one-year deals if you think your product is adding value? Um, you know, 90-day alerts before a price increase are becoming 60, then 30. Can you retroactively reprice your backlog? I bet you've got some members uh, who actually did that. We're seeing that come back. And so having the contracting flexibility to operate in a more agile world, I think that's shaken out right now. Mm-hmm. While companies are also building out the systems and teams to enable this agility. Yeah. Now, kind of stretching on that question, you know, do you feel that most or a lot of companies today have that contractual flexibility? I don't, and it's not kind of a finger pointing comment or thought. It's more of this happens so quick, mm-hmm. right? Um, it's the, it's 2019 and people are, are growing, they're signing multi-year contracts, sellers are on their heels, everyone's fighting for share. So you, you were setting up contracts. Um, if you think most economic cycles are like seven years, that was a 11 year run. Yeah. Yeah. So that was an extended period of time to make weaker, weaker contracts or contracts that were more favorable to the buyer, mm-hmm. um, an abnormally long economic cycle. Then you had COVID and everyone sort of freaked out. And at yeah. first it was just, can I keep the lights on? Am I going to survive? And so you would cut a deal. If someone called you in April of 2020 and said, I want to buy some stuff, you might give them some abnormal contracting mm. and you might lock in a contract because you didn't know what was going to happen next month. Mm. So I think there was a couple of anomalous things that resulted in contracts that might not be the ones you'd like today. Mm-hmm. Um, and those just have to work through the system. We, we spent a lot of time with people. There's probably been an abnormal and a record amount of kind of force majeure and contract breaking in the last two to three years because of COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's going to come to a close. And, you know, if you, if you have to break a contract now, it's just because you regret a contract you signed in 2020. Sure. Sure. Um, 
But what you will see is more of this as contracts are rolling and renewing. You've got to remember like the power, the pendulum is swung in your favor and it's a part of pricing. Mm -hmm. So you can get economic advantage through the price levels, through the fees and surcharges or the contracting terms and leveraging that uh, for, through the pricing department and team to really push and ensure your business is doing well during the cycle. Mm -hmm. um, that's going to be different. Okay. All right. Well, hey, Adam, I really do appreciate your time today. And he does have his latest book out, Beating Inflation. If you do have interest, I would highly recommend that you all take advantage of that. Adam, if you don't mind, where can listeners access this book or maybe learn more about you and Simon Kucher? Oh, well, uh, we try to make it easy for all of you. So you've got Amazon is a great place to find it. You could also go to beatinginflation.com. Pretty simple to remember. Yeah. Um, Simon Kutcher website, simon-kutcher.com. Um, that's an easy place to find us. And if you attend the uh, PPS event in May, I'll be there personally. We'll have a booth. I don't think you can go to the PPS and not bump into SKP. So yeah. we're <laughs> tied at the hip. Or I bet if you did a fast Google search on, you know, business pricing and pricing, Simon Kutcher will come up pretty quick. So there's a lot of different avenues. We try to make ourselves pretty easy to, to uh, contact and get in touch with. Good, good, good. And as Adam said, just as a quick reminder, he will be one of our keynote speakers. Very excited for the upcoming 34th Spring and Pricing Workshop Conference we have in Dallas, Texas. Again, you can register for that conference at pricingsociety.com. Adam, thank you so much for your time. Until next time, you guys have a good one. Bye-bye.